It's flashing, so I must be recording. That's fine. Right. We will go okay. With that. So okay. Jay's flashing. We're ready to rock and roll. Indeed. We should do like a live in-person do some damage thing and just yeah, <laughs> and start it with Jay flashing. No, that's wrong. Oh, no. About to come twenty fourteen, the live panel. <laughs> yes. This would be like that after the breakup, and then we've all got back together, and we all hate each other. <laughs> At least one like... of us has to be bloated through drug use. <laughs> I've already got there. It's fine. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> then, like the question would be like, like when did when did the argument start? And everyone on the panel would just turn and stare at Steve. The thing is, one of us will have to find God by then as well. Uh, Scott, I, I nominate Scott. <laughs> we have our version of uh, the Spinal Tap drummer since we've gone through. How many Sunday bloggers? <laughs> Are you implying that um, at some point Joel's going to explode? <laughs> in the midst of a blog post, just leave a little patch of cream. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of scared that the rotation is creeping my way because you know we started rotating a Sunday, and now we mm. rotate a Monday. I'm, I'm scared that I'm next. Yeah. <laughs> and I just keep kind of disappearing every so often. Anyway, we should record. But, well, okay, we are yes. recording, but we well, should we are, start yeah. using this recording for something. Oh, for something. Um, Constructive. Right. So this is uh, Do Some Damage podcast special on Doctor Who. Coming to you from beyond time and space. table thing which we've not done in in about a year mm-hmm. i think um, the last we did was bond wasn't it yeah i think so yeah when you, you're all still wrong about that <laughs> i can't remember what we're wrong about but yeah and we probably shouldn't ask because it'll take this this conversation in the wrong direction yeah, yeah. yeah we'll get there later on i'm sure <laughs> so uh so joined by by russell hello and by dave hey and we're, we're all three of us together, so the universe is going to explode, which is quite fitting, really. Because mm. uh, we're going to talk about Doctor Who. I, I just wanted to say first that I've been talking about Doctor Who quite a bit on the Fuzzy Typewriter podcast, uh, which anybody listening should check out right now by going and typing Fuzzy Typewriter into uh, iTunes or into uh, Twitter or Google or any of those magic things. Not um, right now, maybe after this. After well, you listen to this, yeah. Magic of the internet, you can do it right now and load it later. It's brilliant. <laughs> We're not Darn linear anymore. It's magic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now, I've, I've talked a lot about the show on that, but I haven't talked to you guys about it on this show, so I'm more interested in hearing what you've got to say about the series, really. Um, I mean, we've got Russell, who's, what, 20-odd years um, geeky fan? Yep, it'd be, well, the first time I ever saw it was in 1988. That I watched it properly. I'd seen bits before then, read lots of manuals, but yeah, my first story was uh, Remembers of the Daleks. And Dave, who's 20 minutes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> really started getting into it in April, though my father's a, a long-time fan. So you come from good genes, my basically. Mom. Yes, my parents love it. 
So is that your in? I mean, it's it's interesting to see where somebody who's new to it how they get into it. I th I think my in was more uh, finding out that Stephen Moffat was going to start writing it because I had loved uh, uh, Jekyll? Sherlock and uh, Jekyll and the the sitcom that he did. Uh, coupling. Coupling, yes. So is this the the British version or the American version that they made? The actual British version that made its way over. And we have these public access channels. And they used to show old Doctor Who's and Faulty Towers and, I don't know, all sorts of British stuff. And Coupling was the last one I can remember seeing. So, you, I mean, you've, you've kind of overdosed on Doctor Who in a really short period of time, haven't you? Because you, in, in the build-up to this new series starting, you, you kind of got into it then. Yeah, I backed up. I mean, I started with the, the DVDs for Matt Smith's first season. And then once I was completely confused, I started watching the uh, 2005 ones. But just the ones that Jay and Russell recommended, not the sucky ones. <laughs> it's nice to hear we're arbiters of taste. Yeah. <laughs> so would you, you'd have seen the Ecclestons as well as the Tenants and things like that as well, yes? Yeah, a couple of them. I watched Rose and uh, the World War II one and the Daleks one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you're as caught up as you need to be with the new series because what one of the things I like about it and what I especially like about what Moff is doing at the moment is as much as I have a geeky and sad knowledge of things that happened from the 60s onwards that I've retained through life that used to really annoy my mum and dad as well um, <laughs> it's true they, we were once on a long drive through the desert on a holiday and um, I can't remember why but I was, I, was, I was 10 or something and I was explaining some intricate point that in the book I'd been reading and uh, they both simultaneously stood, turned around and told me to shut up or they'd throw me out of the car in the middle of the desert <laughs> um, which didn't work <laughs> what, you shutting um, up or them throwing you out? <laughs> both really, I, I, th I, think, I think I realised then it was an empty threat but <laughs> But what's really nice about the new show is you don't need that knowledge to get into it. And I think Dave's probably proof of that, that apart from maybe a bit of confusion about who was what and what was where, it, was, it would have been fairly easy for you to get into, I think, from the start of Matt Smith. Yeah, pretty much. I just had to go back. Uh, I think Jay told me to watch. I watched Blink, mm -hmm. and then Jay, Jay and you both told me to watch uh, Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead. Yeah, which I suppose are important now, very important um, to have watched for the continuing stuff he's doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had seen those even before River came back in the uh, Angels one. So mm -hmm. I was pretty pretty, uh, pretty up to date with the stuff I needed to know. And yeah. I, I guess we should just say here um, that we're about to get into some really, really spoilery stuff. Um, and that I guess, I mean, the show's out now. The, by the time this airs, BBC America will have screened the uh, the, the, the mid-season finale. Mm -hmm. so Unless they invent another holiday to stop it again. We might. Crazy <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we're not, you know, we're not looking to trample on anything or deliberately, you know, ruin anyone's experience, but, you know, just mm -hmm. be warned that we're not going to hold back in the discussion. So mm -hmm. switch off and come back later if you, you're worried about that kind of thing. Though getting mentioned by uh, Angry Moffat on Twitter would be a highlight. <laughs> As I only I only saw that the other day, and for two minutes I did wonder if it was maybe him getting angry, and then realised it wasn't. <laughs> I still wouldn't be surprised if it was actually Moffat, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's another so, thing to to put it off to put us off the scent of something. 
<laughs> yeah. So what do you guys get out of like seeing this coming with, you know, however many years of, of backstory? What do you guys get out of this series? You both seem to be enjoying it immensely mm-hmm. while, to be honest, you didn't seem to enjoy a lot of the earlier ones. <laughs> from <laughs> that's that's down to the for me it's down to the style of story so because I've always thought that I mean with Doctor Who one of the the nice things is it reinvents itself every so often it becomes a very different show so Pertwee was John Pertwee was a kind of action Doctor had lots of gadgets and was kind of James Bond with a time machine in some ways um, without the sleeping with every woman he came across really he just patronised them a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then, you know, you've got what we were talking about earlier, and I don't know if it's going to be in the cast, but um, we're seeing that uh, Sylvester McCoy was kind of, well, he started off as some kind of weird pantomime-ish short man and became a very manipulative and slightly dark kind of character. And you've got everything in between all that, so it changes itself every so often. So that's what I kind of still get out of it, is the fact that every show is different. And why I wasn't so much a fan of some of the ones from before was the fact that I did feel it was maybe trying too hard to be a show you could dip in and out of all the time. You didn't have to watch the whole of every episode to get something. Things were wrapped up very quickly by the end of the hour. Um, There's a lot of very basic moral posturing that was kind of, everything was very black and white. And that's, that's fine and that's good and you can say it's a kid's show, but what I like at the moment is they're still doing what is a kid's show, but it's a show where kids can be treated quite intelligently, and I like that a lot. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the old ones, because a lot of people love them. They just weren't necessarily for me. How's that for um, diplomatic? I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm less diplomatic than you in that I just yeah. didn't like them. Um, <laughs> you I, see, I love Tenon. I, I just had a problem with the storytelling. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think Doctor Who's one of those interesting things where I think Russell and me agree on almost everything, um, which is scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, it's Moffat's brought it back to being a, just a nice, interesting, dark fairy tale, um, kind of a, a training ground for being scared. Um, which you know was it, it was a different animal before that. It, it was kind of a more, more of a, 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 um, I guess an update of the John Pertwee in a way. The the stuff that mm-hmm. Russell's been picking up on with the running and the shouting and the James Bond. Um, which is fine. It's it's kind of matinee fun, but I I, I guess I didn't engage with the way it was pitched really. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But it did have some brilliant. I mean, there were some brilliant stories told at that point, and the actors were, as a general rule, quite unlike the central cast, were very very even. Even Billy Piper, for the most part, until I began to get a little bored of her character, mm-hmm. was um, quite good. Which I didn't expect because I still think of her singing "Honey to the Bee" or whatever <laughs> that other thing was. Um, I have a sad memory for the first one because we want to. That's it. <laughs> so okay, that was special guest Billy Piper in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for, for people on Dave's side of the bond, uh, Billy Piper was uh, was a pop star uh, when she was about fifteen. Uh, she she, uh, uh, she uh-huh. like Debbie Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then she was then she was kind yes. of famous for being married to like a shock jock, uh, a radio DJ. Um, but then she mm-hmm. kind of had a, I guess, a third life when she actually came back and, and started to to show that she had some acting chops. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. it was it was fun. I, I think we get we get that a lot more obviously than you will with with Doctor Who, in that sometimes there's kind of stunt casting or 
or celebrity casting, which people over there probably don't really, they, they just see the, the characters. Um, whereas sometimes right. we'll see, oh, that's mm. Kylie Minogue. Or Lee Evans. <laughs> or or um, Fat Guy off the telly. <laughs> James Gordon. Well, that's it, yes. Well, I have another, you kind of brought up another question talking about Rose, uh, whatever her name was. Um, Tyler. Uh, what was the hype like when the show was coming back in in two thousand five? It had it had been off for what fifteen, thirteen years, something like yeah, that. It was it was nineteen eighty eight to went off air. It came back in ninety six with the American TV pilot for with Paul McGann, right? Um, which I, you guys probably got, and that was interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> And um, then, yeah, it was, that was it until 2005. So, yeah, it was a long time. Um, I, to be honest, I, I think I don't think the hype was as big as the hype got for later series. The no, hype was kind of no. middle ground. It was like Doctor Who's come back, you know, hurrah! It's it's been off there for ages. Oh, look, it's got Billy. They were more excited about Billy Piper being on TV than they were about Doctor Who coming back. I think. I think I, I seem to remember that the hype was. I mean, the, the geeks were interested. The fans were really mm-hmm. excited for it. But the general public, that it was, you know, um, particularly, you know, I think British Saturday Tea Time TV hasn't got a great tradition over the last 20 years. So we're used to things being kind of thrown into that slot that, that turn up and, and, and shuffle off quite quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Doctor Who didn't come back with a massive budget. Um, they obviously had to rely on casting Eccleston and Billy Piper to try and, and, and think that maybe that was going to bring in some mainstream appeal. But then yeah. it, it did seem like the first episode happened, and a lot of people were like, oh, I don't quite know. Does that work? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere along the way, it just exploded. Yeah, I think I, I the first episode, I was like, oh, that's fine. That was okay. Um, oh, it's, it's not two parts. It's only 45 minutes. That's not long enough. Because <laughs> um, you're used to really long stories that you had before. Mm-hmm. And then... I think it was uh, the next episode was okay, and then it was probably the Second World War one that really took off for me, um, with the Nanites and um, even Captain Jack. Um, you know, the the one you watched, Dave. Yes. Checking. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you my mummy? Yes. My Which isn't a question for you, Dave. It's yeah. It's, um, so that you was, do that really well. <laughs> Dave was. I mean, Jay was that child. <laughs> Basically, they cut legs off the knees, <laughs> and then they grew back at the end of the nanobots and all that. <laughs> the funny thing, we we actually the, the my, my wife and I we, we watched that episode um, the other day, uh, well the, that two parter, and it was funny because that's Moffat's first um, foray into the new huh? the new era. Yeah. Um, and and so the, on on the one hand, you've kind of got lifelong fan who's a good writer, just has clearly been storing this up for a long time and, and throwing <laughs> stuff at the screen um, because it was run by a different showrunner you don't know what was his and what he was told to write but a lot of the things that really seem to have clicked in the modern era turned up in that two-parter the, the psychic paper was oh, you know, yeah. that, that, that was in that episode Captain Jack of course was in that episode uh-huh. um, running gags about the, the screwdriver and all that again started to resurface in that episode I think that might have been first time that the, the name John Smith was used as well um, in the modern era mm-hmm. so it's just interesting mm. to go back and kind of watch that in a way as far as I was concerned watching it, it was almost as if I was watching the pilot episode for what's happening now I think that that's true I mean watching uh, A Good Man Goes to War it seems like Moffat really wants to 
I didn't think he would, but it, it's starting to seem like he wants to delve in more to the history of, of the entire uh, Gallifreyans mm-hmm. as possible. I think he's starting to hint, hint at that with the, the cot and all that stuff. Yeah, I think... I don't know what... Yeah, I think it's one of the things, the, the whole Gallifreyans being away thing was interestingly handled to me in a sense, and you had all these hints of something brilliant, which for me it ended in a bit of anticlimax, to be honest, um, mm. where basically the entire time war was reduced to Timothy Dalton spitting. Uh, <laughs> a lot. Um, but, you know, all the, the Nightmare Child and things like that was really... But, yeah, the, the new stuff is is doing a lot of stuff with mythology, but it's doing its own mythology. I think there's a quote from Stephen Moffat somewhere where he says something like, does continuity matter that much in a show about a time traveller? Um, or worse to that effect mm-hmm. and he's right because what he's done with the continuity is he's taking the stuff that he's found interesting and running with that and leaving the other stuff to the side and that's what who's always done throughout its year it's made up stuff as it's gone along yeah. there is no real Doctor Who continuity because it's always been contradicted right a continuity mm-hmm. has changed between season 5 and season 6 because there's stuff that's happened that only the Doctor and Amy mm-hmm. remember and Rory sometimes yeah. remembers yeah, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I guess at this point we should start to actually jump headlong into this season. Yes, um, enough waffling about the past in a, in a time. <laughs> sorry, hold on. I think there's something behind me. No, nope, can't see anything. But right, no, sorry, you're just imagining it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, uh, Russell first, and I guess as someone who's who we've had the past, we've had uh, Russell T Davies, we've had Tennant, morphed into Matt Smith and and Stephen Moffat. What were you expecting or looking forward to from season six? I was I was really just expecting the show to start to come to its own, leave behind what it had to because the the tenant series series was so so popular. Season five had a lot of difficult work to cover, especially Matt Smith himself, because um, a lot of people were just so in love with the idea of David Tennant as the Doctor and. You know, they they were kind of unwilling to accept this very, very different kind of portrayal that he was giving us. So I think they had to do a lot of work in season five to do that. With season six, I just really expected it to find its own feet, um, which it has done, and also to maybe play around with this idea that had come up with of continuing story arcs and things that will come back to haunt you later, and it's certainly followed through with a lot of that for mm-hmm. me. Um, but as I say, I was just really looking forward to just some fun stories where they could let loose and kind of almost forget about the past and just become its its very own new thing and I think on the whole possibly aside from the Pirates thing so far it's it's done that Um, the Pirates thing was it could have really easily fitted into season 4 to be honest with you the way it was done Um, which means it was you know it was fine but uh, didn't you know didn't have any any weight to it in the end Um, so Dave obviously you're going to have sat down to watch this season with a lot less baggage um was there anything in particular after you've caught up on on what we've recommended to you that you were looking forward to for season six is there anything you're expecting or hoping you'd see um there was uh, i don't know what i was expecting i i think i expected something bigger not bigger no that's wrong something big in the first two episodes but i got different big i didn't expect the you know the big cliffhanger with the doctor dying and everything and mm-hmm. I, I expected kind of a fun the Doctor seemed very upbeat and happy and jumpy uh, in Matt Smith's first season. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it turned dark real quick in the this new season, which I'm loving, but it's not what I expected. Mm-hmm. I think you're saying about the start of it, what we'd been taught yeah. to expect through the Russell Davis years was that the first episode is light, frothy, reintroduction to the series. Gosh, isn't it happy? Look, there's a bit of a problem. Hey, let's sort it all out. Let's disinfect the, the zombies and go home in time for tea or whatever it was that, um, that they, they happened to do. And then you get... Yeah, the Doctor dead in what? How long was it? Five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was interesting about it to me was because the Doctor, the eleven hundred year old Doctor that shows up, wasn't. I mean, he's he's happy. He says hello, Pond and and Rory, and he gives him a hug. But he's very not humorous. Not he's there was something off about him. Melancholy. And I think that's yes, very melancholy. And I think that's an interesting way to introduce him, especially after the way he is in the fifth series. Mm-hmm. You know the fifth season, and and I think that t- caught me off guard. It wasn't what I expected, you know. But um, even then, you had that run in in the f- couple of minutes before, where he was being happy-go-lucky and a bit silly with you know hiding under women's dresses in the 14th century or whatever. And that is that is true. Mm-hmm. Getting caught in in the commandant's uh, you know bunker. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know exactly what I expected. I think I went in with just continuing what happened from the fifth season. Mm-hmm. So the first two parts are then we, is the it's it's the silence uh, it's it's the revelation that there's these alien creatures who've been manipulating us since we don't know when um, when you when you see them they're, they're these creepy scary things who dress in suits uh, have really bad acne um, but then when you look away you forget that you've seen them which was brilliant. Yeah, it was re- the only thing that really annoyed me was that everywhere I went on the internet, you had these blooming Buffy fans going, "Oh, it looks just like the gentleman from whichever one it was." <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, Buffy fans are so, and the, I say this as a Doctor Who fan, but they're you know so protective as though they got everywhere first. Yeah, <laughs> um, which really annoys me because it was a fine show, it was a good show, um, but. Um, but no, the sounds were actually really effective. Whether they looked like something from Buffy or not, they were effective within that particular milieu, and their own take on things was brilliant. Plus, I mean, surely mm-hmm. it, it's just a matter that you know, you know one of the silence probably influenced Joss Whedon. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, yes. that's why they looked a bit similar. <laughs> Tricky. This is it. I mean, they quite, although maybe not, because they're all killed by the 60s, perhaps. We think. We think we ju- we just don't know. Possibly. Mm. I mean, I, I I don't buy into that simply as I know you won't. <laughs> simply mm. because if you get kicked off a planet that you think is yours, um, you're going to come back, mm-hmm. and you're going to want revenge. Well, Amy sees one, and well, no, that's still 1969, isn't it? Never mind. Yeah. No, that no, that's not 1969. You're right. That's the future because they go back. We're going to go somewhere we've never gone before. The moon landing, 1969. Right. Uh, I, I get a headache sometimes from this time stuff. <laughs> Actually, no, you're right. I hadn't thought of that. The very first silence that we see is in the present, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right before the doctor gets shot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, hadn't, I, I hadn't thought of that. Mm-hmm. Damn it. My mind's going. Hang on, I need a moment silence. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I, I loved the uh, the... the the idea of, of how he defeated them um, it was just such a simple explanation and, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time in the past there's been the, the big red reset button that kind of crops up at the last minute and, and has been something that's been thrown in um, and you can sometimes tell even if, it's th- even if it's thrown in the writer's, the writer's kind of got to the point where he needs to throw it in and then thinks 
I need to earn this, I'm going to go back and drop in three references to something. Mm -hmm. um, but the way that the Doctor defeated the silence was, it made sense. I mean, it, it was a bit of a big device, but it was one that mm -hmm. grew out of their character. It made sense. Yeah, everything. Although there's a there is a thing. I think it was a guy who I don't agree with. I stumbled across this blog of this guy who's quite sarcastic about a lot of the new Who stuff. Um, I think he's he was a writer who was spurned quite possibly hmm. for the thing. But there was quite a good sketch on one of his posts where it was about the silence, and um, it was the meeting after that that silence who was on the captured on the TV clip going, "You will kill us all." You know, having a meeting with his bosses, being debriefed, and they're going, for God's sakes, Barry, you had to say it, didn't you? We're called the silence. We'd say nothing except what we need to. And what do you do? You, you know? <laughs> to be honest, I could kind of picture it in my head. <laughs> How do you you go and tell them to kill us all. <laughs> Did you not notice the camera? <laughs> We're going to have to send you to the HR manager, aren't we? Yeah, the, the idea that he takes that footage and he plants it into what is possibly the most watched clip of all time. Possibly. I don't, I don't know how that would stack up to, you know, facts or the internet or anything. Yeah. Um, it was either but... that or porn, I suppose. <laughs> Jeez. He's <laughs> got kids tuning in. It's a kid show. Yeah. No, it's not. Precisely. It's a family show. Precisely, sex oh, uh, doesn't exist in the Who universe. That's why they have bunk beds for Rory and Amy. <laughs> yeah, but that was the best part of the finale. Him, well, one of the best parts, him working out. Mm. The only time they were together on the TARDIS was uh, their wedding. <laughs> their wedding night. <laughs> that was beautifully That's all funny. human. They don't put up a balloon or anything. Right, right. That's brilliant. <laughs> and that—that's one of the things actually that's quite um, that's been quite good about this one is David Tennant's Doctor was so human that he kept falling in love with people all over the place. And kind of getting a bit mushy with like Rose, um, although he did give her her own blow up doctor by the end of it, <laughs> um, and um, Madame de Pompadour and whoever else. He was very sort of from, whereas Matt Smith seems almost not uncomfortable with the idea of sex in a kind of childish way, but just like in a, I, I don't understand why they do it all the you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very sort of alien take on it, which is is very good and actually works so well again for the character just his confusion at more of the rituals than the uh, the idea of it it reminds me of uh, season five when, when amy decides that you know she has to have him there and then and takes him mm -hmm. back to the bedroom and they're sat on the bed and you can tell that he just simply doesn't get it mm -hmm. he's just you know what what are you doing what <laughs> and then when he does realize he, he again he's ooh. <laughs> it's the same way with his reaction to kissing uh, uh, River Song the first time with his arms. He doesn't know what to do with his hands. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> there's, there's, Very... there's something instantly eight-year-old boy about that. Mm -hmm. yes. When you're at school and you, you're starting to get the idea that girls are something that maybe going to be in the future, but ew. <laughs> he he kind of plays it as a, a combination between a very old man and a ten-year-old boy. Mm -hmm. But that's that's precisely what I think they keep going about. What's it? Old man, young body, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of almost the way that he does it. And but as I say again, it's that because it is that whole idea of where it's yeah. I mean, they are another species to you know humans in a sense as well. So that's you know I think that's what plays. Imagine if you were talking to a monkey and the monkey started trying to to give you a, a good old kiss. You know, you like the monkey a lot. <laughs> 
All right, where are you going with this? <laughs> Look, any, uh, uh, any situation is instantly made funny by putting a monkey into it. Think about it. Think about it. You riding a bike isn't funny, but a monkey riding a bike is hysterical. So. No, you riding a monkey. No, wait. I think we're... <laughs> Good Lord. Anyway, so, so we've had this The Silence 2 parter. Um, mm -hmm. Where it, it set up various questions, um, we're still not sure who River is at this point. Um, mm. We're still not sure why the Doctor dies, how the Doctor dies, who kills the Doctor, or when. <laughs> mm. No, no, we do know when, but we don't know any of the yeah. other things. And we're fairly certain it's the little girl in the spacesuit by that point. Fairly certain. Yes, because also there's a spacesuit that's got a little girl in it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. then Amy is pregnant, and then Amy's not pregnant. Mm -hmm. And right. then there's a little girl who's possibly regenerating. Yep. And this is all um, in the space of about 90 minutes. Yeah, and of course Amy finds photos of herself with a small child. Don't forget that, in the hospital. That she doesn't remember. Yes, that she doesn't remember. Mm -hmm. Yes, I forgot they saw the picture. Yeah, because that's, that's when she's first taken by the silence. Right, so now when the doctor... Oh, okay, I got it now. Yeah. When, when the doctor says, I know where they've taken her... Mm-hmm. Perhaps he's going back to that haunted house. Yeah, that's a possibility Which, as well. Yeah, we, we yeah. assume the, the haunted house, by the way, where we, we instantly know there's something fishy there because the strange man, janitor, who lived there, who with the, the, the wonky accent, um, <laughs> yeah. he was two years, was it one or two years out of date? He, he Three, didn't know I think. what year it was. Yeah. I think he was saying it was 65. Uh, 65. Yeah, no, 69. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because that was the year of the moon landings, probably. Right. Unless yes, you're that, no, that, was, that was definitely the, the year of the moon landing. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 that happens. All of that in the space of ninety minutes, and then we get uh, th then we then we're into the pirates, aren't we? Mm, uh, yes. So, so, so moving on. Get, a that. brilliant ending for uh, that kind of threw me at the end of the thing because he goes, "We must find out who this little girl is, or we could just go on an adventure." <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that was kind of the instant old man, young man thing, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. It was must yeah. responsible do this. Jelly yeah. babies. <laughs> I also thought he had an idea of what's coming, and mm. he he needed some more time to figure it out, which is why he didn't want to go yeah. directly does, after her. Yeah, he does have a history of running away because look at Tennant. He basically spent X number of time between the waters of Mars and um, the "I will die very very slowly" from radioactive poisoning finale, mm -hmm. just kind of blundering around, allegedly marrying a queen, and um, you know, um, just kind of flandering by the looks of it. And Matt Smith as well in the second episode of season 5 when uh, at this point Amy has run away on her wedding night and she says to him something like, have you ever run away from anything that you're not sure you can face up to? And he yeah. says yes. And she says what happened? You know, what happened? And he's like hello? Mm -hmm. So Well he's always been running since he was um, William Hartnell really. Which brings us on to forgetting the pirates that yeah. um, <laughs> we then got to have a, a, a much better look at one of the doctors, well the oldest companion of the Doctor, mm -hmm. uh, the TARDIS. Sexy. Yes. <laughs> and the character brilliant. was called Sexy too. Yeah, but no, that was. I mean, Neil Gaiman's. I I find Neil Gaiman on and off sometimes when he is. Some of it I really get. Some of it I've not always got. But this was spot on for me. It was absolutely. It was again that whole thing where he's obviously like Moffat a fan of everything and just had this, you know, sort of these ideas building up and combine a fan's love with a professional storyteller's discipline. Mm -hmm. This is the difference between fan fiction and professional fiction written by people who happen to be fans. You know? <laughs> Pro 
you know, combine the two of those, and suddenly you have something incredibly special, such as the the Doctor's wife, which is slightly misleading title aside that I wasn't necessarily a big fan of. Um, absolutely brilliant. Yes, uh, um, I've, I've I've gone into detail on the episode on, on the Fuzzy Tidebreaker podcast. So, uh, Dave, this again, this kind of crystallizes the the question of how much baggage do you need to have because it, the, the whole episode was a love letter to the to the history of the show but right. uh, you you didn't you weren't missing anything were you no i didn't feel like i was i mean i knew you know that in watching and binging enough i knew the tardis always put him in the wrong place and you know he he kind of knew how to work it but didn't know how to work it and he talked to it i had enough of a of of, of a background that i could figure things out and that it really worked for me mm-hmm. and, um, and- I think that's all you need to know is a madman with a box. Yes. Yeah. There, there was for the continuity geeks. There, there was a massive, massive passing reference, something that was tossed away in dialogue that could be a joke, but that I think many, many geeks have have, have thought brings what something into canon, which is transgender regenerations have never, oh, ever, yes. ever, they've never <laughs> actually, there's never been a precedent for it. It's only ever been a fan wish. Um, but it got mentioned in dialogue in, in the show, so... It's been mentioned in dialogue twice. Yeah. Because when uh, Tenet first regenerated into Smith, Smith pulled on his hair and said, I'm a girl. Oh, yeah. That's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I forgot that. And also, Moffat turned him into a woman before. Because um, he turned him into Joanna Lumley for the comic release special in whenever it was. Yeah, but we don't. Which was, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if you want, if you've ever, have you seen that, Dave? The Curse of the Fatal Death? I, I've watched like five minutes of it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting, but to be honest, if you actually watch it in terms of plot, everything that Moffat does is present in there. Oh, <laughs> going really? backwards and forwards to stop stuff through the whole timey-wimey thing. There's all that kind of stuff going on. There's, you know... I, I haven't seen it mm. in, since it was on TV. Does it have yeah. um, spooky young children in it? Does it have... Um, yeah, it doesn't necessarily have spooky young children. It, it does have, um, oh dear, Jonathan Price um, with a pair of Dalek breasts, though. <laughs> does, does it have dead people talking to us through machines? Because <laughs> Moffat never does that. No. <laughs> Are you implying something? <laughs> but everyone's got their own. I mean, this is a, every writer has their own motifs that they use a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and Russell T. Davis had the Doctor constantly calling everything beautiful and going about the indomitability of humans all the time. You know, and how wonderful you all are. Um, except when it's expedient to the plot. Um, you know, um, and then, you know, Moffat's got his own stuff as well that he constantly calls by. And that's, that's great. Every writer should have that because I don't think that a writer or a showrunner can escape the themes that they're obsessed with with the particular story they're telling. And if you look at it, any showrunner's running a show is part of a long story, whether they connect it all together or not. Mm-hmm. In a sense. <laughs> no, well, well, well defended. Getting back though to the the transgender thing, mm-hmm. I don't think that's in there by accident or just to please the fanboys. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see that play out at some point. Whether it's the little girl who may be River regenerating into a boy and then back into River, mm-hmm. or the way Moffat ends his series with the next regeneration. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there now. Well, this is it. He could he could continue on after Smith is gone. Of course, you don't right. the producer. 
doesn't have to stay on. So you never know. But even if he finishes, it would never be his choice for the next Doctor if he finished on a regeneration. In the right. same way that Smith wasn't Davis's choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank God. But he could continue. He could continue on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is... But, I mean, I, I think... Do you know what? It's, it's a funny thing, and it's, it's just... I, I think the Doctor becoming a woman would almost distract from the central point of the show by now because it'd be such a deal after the character's been associated with a particular gender for so long that I don't think it matters. Mm-hmm. And I think we have enough strong female characters within the show now. Yeah. You know, or starting to come into the show. Um, well, that, that, that'll be something, mm-hmm. that, something I wanted to ask you about. Um, I guess we might as well do it now. Um, and this, this will take in Davis's era as well. What are your thoughts generally on, on the treatment of women in the show? Because m- my friends are totally divided on the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've got you know pe- people who, who very strongly dislike the things that have been done specifically to the women on the show. Other people, uh, myself included, just think that it's kind of part of the baggage of the show is that anybody mm-hmm. who's with a doctor for any length of time is going to have something horrible happen to them. Yeah, that's... Oh, did he think that horrible things are happening to women? Yes, well, I, I mean, you can point to things that have. I mean, yeah. Rose wasn't treated very well towards the end. Yes, but um, Rose was basically Russell T. Davis in drag, as somebody once pointed yeah. out. Yeah. He, yeah. Russell T. Davis admitted he wanted to be the companion, and that Rose was his ability to get into that. So, <laughs> you know, and of course, you know... <laughs> so. I think, I mean, playing devil's advocate, a lot of people look at what happened mm-hmm. to Donna. Um, mm-hmm. th- th- that was truly horrible thing that happened to that character at the end mm-hmm. um, now whether you know it's right or wrong to then start looking at the gender of that yeah. character or not I don't know but, but you know, there's at, a lot of people look at Rory do. they keep killing Rory Rory is the Kenny of <laughs> Doctor Who uh, you know and I mean how, hor- how many horrible things have happened to him his wife basically in one reality almost abandoned him for a time lord who wasn't going to return her affections mm-hmm. Um he had instead of a stripper jumping out of a cake, the doctor jumping out, which was quite you know quite a horrible surprise, I suppose. Um, he was sucked into a cracking time and completely forgotten. After he dying. was reborn after dying, he was reborn as a plastic Roman who then killed his wife because it was outside of his control, and then had to spend two thousand years sitting around, very very dully bored, uh, occasionally dragging a box out of flaming buildings. You know, until something really important happened. And then, of course, now he's um, been... Um, well, it was a facsimile of him, I suppose, was aged in TARDIS and, you know, with the whole kill Amy and the, ah, you know, I've been left alone in this corridor for um, 5,000 years. Why didn't I just go back the way I came? I have no idea. But, you know, um, and all that. He has been treated horrendously. So for everything they say that happened, I think Rory's got it a lot worse and for such a good character as well you know right okay I'm sold mm-hmm. yep <laughs> and also if you think they treat women badly now um, I would direct you again towards John Pertwee's era where we start off with a really strong scientifically minded woman in the character of Liz Shaw supposed to be well for the time a strong character you know she still screamed occasionally but she was very good at what she did she was a doctor she could stand up to Pertwee and then she was abandoned in the case of the Nambi Pan being running around going doctor um, Joe Grant, mm-hmm. who basically spent her whole time tripping up and falling over things, and having pictures taken stood next to Daleks. Have uh, any of the the companions actually been killed while with the Doctor? Yes, yes. two. Um, there was a girl in Hartnell's era was thrown out of an airlock. 
Oh, she uh, well, she kind of threw herself out, didn't she? Yeah, um, I, I, yeah. I don't know the exact. Uh, so that's one that's a bit hazy for me. But yeah, I, she was thrown into space. I, I think she was she was trapped in an airlock with a bad guy, and everyone was standing around waiting for her. So she pressed the button to suck them both out, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Yeah, so it's a bit of self-sacrifice. And then the most annoying boy in the history of the universe, Adric, uh, <laughs> who wore really bad yellow pajamas and travelled around with um, Peter Davison, um, killed himself because he was too arrogant to admit that he couldn't solve a mathematical problem that would stop a ship from crashing into the earth and blowing up. Oh. But <laughs> As you do. Mm-hmm. The, but there, it's usually self-sacrifice. None of the villain... The Doctor hasn't had to deal with a villain killing a companion because he can help him or her? Gosh. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone, not a long-term one anyway. There's lots of people who've maybe travelled for a little while that have been... Yeah, the, the, the real casualties tend to be the people who kind of float mm. sort of on the periphery of, of the Doctor without without him really caring about them enough, frankly, to, <laughs> to, to save I'm them. just... That's the, the thing. I'm just trying to wonder what Moffat could deal with that has in 26 years, or more than mm-hmm. that, 26 seasons of continuity, what hasn't been dealt with. Mm-hmm. Clearly, killing the Doctor dead is one of the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's, he's done that, possibly. Yeah. Maybe we're not sure what's going on yet. He's flesh. Right. So, <laughs> he's flesh, yes, exactly. We'll, we'll get to the flesh. We'll get to yes, the flesh. Sorry, yes, I just dropped that in. <laughs> Stringer, also, you are no, going to have to get the heck out of this podcast. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's a good, that's a very good question, because um, it also kind of ties into into River. One thing we've known from River from before this season is that she says that she uh, she killed the best man she's ever known. Um, in fact, there you go. There's somebody who died in the Doctor's. That's care. true. She's yes. technically now a long term companion. She's already dead because she died the first time we met her. Right in think, the yes. library. Mm-hmm. But she awesome. also sacrifices herself for the Doctor. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> he does, he does have to deal with a lot of self-sacrifice, mm. a lot of a lot of bravery, which is is, is quite interesting because mm. I think that's something obviously that that will will yeah. carry around. Well, that was what somebody said about um, Christopher Eccleston's Doctor, and um, there's a site that I frequently called Androzani, which is a bunch of Australian Australians, and uh, it's a they're, they're a bunch of Australian women, I think they're comics or something like that, but they sort of review the episodes every so often. And one of the things they hated about Eccleston was that they said that he basically sat around and let other people do all the heavy lifting a lot. Mm-hmm. He didn't actually have an, an apparent effect, but then they realised by the end of it that his effect was they would let people be better than they thought they were. And that was actually quite a good thing, but for a lot of it, the early ones, they kind of thought he was uh, quite ineffectual and so racked with guilt over the time war that he just basically sat around and let people sacrifice themselves. I mean, the, the Doctor does all of the Doctors, I think, every single one of them, mm-hmm. they, they have this way of Im- imbuing um, everyone around him who travels with him, even even one of my favourite um, companions, uh, Churlo, um, yeah. who started out intending to kill the Doctor, ended up you know, being filled with this sense of, of commitment and, uh, mm-hmm. and self-sacrifice and kind of being the Doctor's weapon even when the Doctor doesn't want them to. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, w- with Captain Jack, one, you know, the reason he stuck around in season one was because he could do all the shooting that the Doctor wouldn't have been willing to do, so the Doctor can mm-hmm. keep him around. And he, he's well, got let's not go on about the Doctor not using guns. He does. Oh, he does, but, you know. <laughs> he wiped out a whole fleet of uh, <laughs> yeah. cyber... 
<laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that too. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But, and if but, you watch, right, then let's get to the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so that's we, not the first time we've heard you yell that in a podcast. <laughs> know where it goes. So, so we've had the the episode with the TARDIS. Do some um, damage after dark. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not editing any of this. So, <laughs> so, so we've had had the episode with the TARDIS. We then moved on to to one that I, I don't know about you, but I didn't know anything about these episodes going into it. I think every episode before that, I'd kind of known something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly Gaiman's, because we'd been waiting so long to see Neil Gaiman's episode. But then we we went into the 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 two parter involved that we just knew was vaguely about cloning. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, crazy stuff happened. Yeah. I, I, all I, had, I just seen, I just, all I knew about was the trailer I'd seen the week before. So I thought it was about porridge with a mouth because that was the main bit I remember from the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it was, it was. Do you know what? It was, it was fine. It was like an old school story. It was kind of go to a base, you know, or an abandoned base. Oh, there's something a bit weird going on. Gosh, bit of a moral conundrum. Run around a bit. Which was was fine and entertaining enough in its own way. Um, there was you know. something about the pacing and the colour tone and the themes and the, even the writing that just made me think of Sylvester McCoy's era for some reason. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way. Um, no, because I, mm-hmm. I, I like that era. But yeah, not not the pantomime McCoy, not the first year McCoy. No, 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 the the the, the later stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dave, what did you think about those? I thought the the clever stuff happened in the second episode. I thought the first episode was kind of we're going down a. a a road that could have gone pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think once they cloned, if you can use that word, the doctor and, and started playing up, up that aspect, they got a lot better. Yeah, that was... Well, I missed the first five minutes of it the first week. I actually went back and watched it after seeing it again. And those first five minutes I wish I'd seen like for the whole thing because they were... Re- of the second episode, I mean. Yeah. Because they were really, really good for Matt Smith playing against Matt Smith. <laughs> um, and... Like and Doctors, mm. a- yeah, I love the the dubbing of Tom Baker because it was completely unexpected. Yes, <laughs> you know, fancy a jelly baby. Yes, um, definitely. Um, anything with Tom is good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, my second favorite idol next to Brian Blessed. <laughs> right. um, There's a lot of interesting stuff in. The, I mean, it, it, it's it, it's asking a lot of kind of almost it, it's well it's kind of interesting light it's you know it's tv sci-fi but it, it's trying mm-hmm. to ask some interesting questions it's trying to look at some yeah. some interesting topics but then it, it can't really follow through on any of them because no it's part but of it a bigger story it wasn't anything new that was my main problem i mean you've seen cloning and the question of whether cloning's a right thing to do or whatever on doctor who before a lot of the time you've seen a lot of other things as well i just watched blade runner again and there you've got intelligent machines rather than intelligent flesh Mm-hmm. You know, and do they have the right to... And all of that's kind of done so, 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 so. And that was that was all going fine. And then they had to throw a monster in because for no apparent reason, the sweet and gentle one decides she's going to <laughs> um, become some kind of horrific monster and try and eat everyone um, because uh, they've been a little bit nasty and untrustworthy at first. There's probably <laughs> a deleted scene where she had a bit too much Ribena. <laughs> I, I think the most interesting part of the whole... Um, besides for the cliffhanger at the end for the whole two part is the understated reason Rory uh, kind of sympathizes with the, the the gangers especially Rory because he was kind of plastic himself yeah 
and and they never really got into that and I thought that was a missed opportunity but at the same time it, it worked in an understated like well why does Rory care so much yeah I think Rory's going to get more character development as well, and he fully deserves it because he is to my mind one of the best companions to be in the TARDIS for a long time yes in that more than anyone before especially in the new series he is in every man he is in every person he's I mean um, Rose was of course as I say just basically in love with the Doctor for the whole time mooning over him which you know Martha never really got a chance to do anything Um, Donna was um, a bit of a character who became a proper character um, by the end of it and actually she made a lot of episodes of season 4 which I was dead surprised at Mm -hmm. yeah then you've got Amy, who is the girl who waited, and she's kind of almost the, the hero of a fairy story in a sense. Yeah. And she's she's very she very much takes into this, and she goes into this world, and she's prepared for it, you know, because she's got that amazing imagination, remembers the Raggedy Doctor, and blah blah blah. Whereas Rory is kind of pulled in this thing against his will. Um, he doesn't know whether to trust the Doctor. Never mind just around his wife. Just in general, he doesn't know whether to trust the Doctor. Um, I still love the bit in the final episode where Doctor goes permission to hug. Remember, I have a sword. Just <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. And so I think his reactions are totally believable. And Arthur Darvel is underplaying it so marvelously that it's such a natural performance that it really is one of the strongest in the show. And he runs those emotions. Somebody said he only has the emotions or something, but so do most characters in a TV show. I'm sorry, you know, especially <laughs> a show like this, which is does deal in big broad themes and is a bit melodramatic because it's got to be but he sells it so well that you know for me he is basically one of the best people to have travelled in the TARDIS in a long long time just one of the most interesting and and a fabulous actor there's a scene we'll get to when we do the the episode we've all just watched Mm -hmm. Um, can I I repeat the question? no 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 (laughs) No, no, ah. not that one. <laughs> there's, there's a scene that I just think he's, he's, he's not as good as Matt Smith, um, mm-hmm. but I do think he's a fabulous actor, um, mm-hmm. which helps. Um, and this isn't to downplay Karen Gillan, by the way, who I think is very, very good and even better this season than she was before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's had a lot of different things to do this season. Mm-hmm. She had to play herself, but not herself. It's yeah. almost, she's, she's got more emotionally to do this season, but less. she's less involved directly in the plots, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. So right. she's she's getting to express more emotions. She's getting to to be the mother and getting to be lost and be scared and a lot more things that she wasn't doing before. But at the same time, she's not the center of the action like she was before, mm-hmm. um, which is a bit, a bit of an interesting trade off. Mm-hmm. Um, so where were we? Oh yes. So so Flesh. Amy, Amy, uh, we, we've had mm-hmm. a whole oh yes something happened at the end. A whole starter that's, that's built up to the fact. Now, now here's an interesting mm-hmm. question that that. Again, I think fans online have gone back and forth on. So we've had the two-parter that's playing up that these these gangers, these clones, have oh, yeah. real feelings um, that you know they deserve to live. But then, ten seconds later, we're seeing Amy is revealed that she is one, and the Doctor melts her. But she's not. Right. Here's here's the distinction. The. It's the whole show sets up when we come in to meet the gangers in the flesh. Sorry, I'm going to go on this rant here. No, no, I've I've got, I, I want you to go on the rant. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I asked so we it. meet the gangers in the flesh, and all these um, people who are using the gangers, because they use the gangers in the same way that you use a suit, essentially. This is how it works. The, the workers on the mine will create a fake body for themselves, which they'll download their consciousness into. If that body gets hurt during the mining, then that's absolutely fine. And that's great because the conscious gets uploaded again to their original body and the gang is destroyed, right? So that's fine. Um, 
and they wear it like a pair of suit. The ganger at that point only has the person's conscious who's in it when there's a consciousness inside it. The problem comes when um, the flesh has been used so often that the entirety of the flesh has soaked up all these emotions. And the, I think it's the thunderstorm itself, the, the lightning storm or whatever it is, in a Frankenstein kind of way that causes the gangers on the island to come to life and remember these memories that they had before. So the flesh isn't properly sentient before that point. Mm -hmm. It is partially sentient in the same way that one could say it would be cruel to kill um, a whole thing of ants because the ants are sentient and are thinking beings, correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the the flesh in its dormant state is like that. But this lightning storm that attacks just at, at this point and manages to separate the consciousness of people from the consciousness of the flesh but leaves behind that imprint that creates a whole new race. So when the Doctor destroys Amy at the end, he's destroying a ganger suit rather than a conscious ganger. Yep, no, I, I agree. The, the does that th- make sense? I, I think, I <laughs> yes, think it does. does. The only mm-hmm. thing I'd the... throw in... Um, was, sorry to jump in, Dave. The only thing I'd throw in was <laughs> that my, my take on that was that the reason he went back to that specific point, and I think he says in the mm-hmm. episode he wanted to see it early, Mm-hmm. Was because then he can then I mean he drops he drops them off at the meeting, when they're going to go in and say that there's a, there's an issue here we have to fix, mm-hmm. so that he can then jump back again into the TARDIS and then by the time he melts down Amy, he's changed yeah. past so that it's definitely not a sentient thing that he's destroying. Mm-hmm. That's be, a possibility as well, perhaps. Would be the way I'd look at it, but but mm-hmm. you describe it, you know, you, you sum it up. <laughs> <laughs> Could you tell I used to do philosophy? <laughs> And that was my kind of thing, was the separation of body and mind. So, <laughs> I'm not as good at it as I used to be, so that'll probably have not made as much sense to proper philosophers out there. But it's been, it's been eight years. <laughs> Dave, did, did you have any big, deep, philosophical qualms with the, the cliffhanger? <laughs> I was curious that if the other flesh were affected by the tsunami thing, the lightning storm, why wasn't the Amy flesh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that's because the Amy flesh was being controlled by Amy at, in another place, right? Yeah, so it was remotely controlled, yeah. It was the the thingy, the, what's it called, the... Ah, oh, jeez. The signal was more powerful from more advanced technology. Right, right, okay. The, the thing mm-hmm. was more thing from thingy. That's, <laughs> that, that's basically it. Um, so just... Well, so Because so, it could penetrate the TARDIS when it was travelling through time, which the, that wouldn't have happened on the island. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we, the, the three of us have been emailing, um, which, you know, is not something that's really going to interest the listeners, but all through the season <laughs> we've been e- emailing back and forth and forming our opinions and deciding who's what and who dies and, and who's what baby. In Doctor and, Who. In Doctor Who, yeah. as well as yes. also in other things. <laughs> I think the one thing that none of us had predicted was that Amy was um, water. <laughs> right. Yogurt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I think that's the most surprised I've been in quite a while watching telly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I loved it. That was the point where I genuinely was excited, I think. I jumped up and down and, and made a little squealing sound. <laughs> <laughs> go on. Go, do, do it. Go on. <laughs> no, <laughs> I couldn't do it again if I tried. It was a bit <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> Dave, did you make any funny noises when Amy turned into water? I probably cursed. I probably said, holy shit. <laughs> okay, fair enough. 
Do you know what? This is the thing, though, about this new series is more than any of the series before. At the moment, I feel like I'm about eight again and watching the, the, the McCoys that I was watching at the time, aside from the fear factor, which I don't have now because I'm a bit less easily scared. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a bit I'm, less. A bit less yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping around and getting really excited about what's happening to these people and what they're going to come up with next. And, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's fun. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, and, and I think that kids hopefully are, are still getting that from it you know and I think and again this whole thing where people are going oh is it maybe too complex for the kids now is it for the adult fans which somebody wrote once rubbish because I think kids are smarter than you think and this love of, of intricate storytelling that I've got now goes all the way back to then because I used to watch for the connections between each show I really did and well, I, as I said I could have told you all the connections between past two and, and everything when I was about ten right, Dave well, as, a, as a teacher then um, yes. Doctor Who it's too scary for kids, it's too aimed at adults, it's blah, 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 blah. What's your take on this? Um, I think it's, it, kids would love it. I, have, uh, I think kids would love it. I'm working on, for next year, trying to come up with a way that I can show Blink in class. <laughs> yes. I, I think my students would absolutely love it. And I, I know there are kids our age, uh, our kids our age, <laughs> the age of um, those that I teach, you know, between 10 and 15 who are absolutely diehard about it. Mm. And um, even I was going to point out, Moffat uh, was going back and forth with a, a user on Twitter this week about how his nine-year-old figured out who River Song was before, you know, his wife did, mm. and and how the kids are picking up on it and and how it's they can follow it. Yeah. And I I think they can. They they're, they're we're the ones who try to stop them from from being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, adults, reviewers. Yeah. Well, as I say, I mean, this thing for me is my whole knowledge of who goes back to about that age, and that's when I that's when I soaked it all up, and it's just stayed with me. That's you know why I I sadly know so much about it, and that's you know, and it's one of the things somebody said to me. They said the other day, oh, I've tried watching it, you know, talk to recently, and it's just a lot of running about, and I don't understand it. And I said, Did you watch when you were a child? Did you watch the? No. Did you watch anything like that when you were a child? You know, that was kind of science fiction, fast-paced, fun, you know, with a big sort of thing. No. And I thought, right. well, that maybe explains it. You know, yeah. was it, if, you, if, you, if you're the kind of child who would have enjoyed it, you'll be the kind of adult who'll enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, can't put it better than you two have, really. Plus, I, I think I've already ranted about, about the, the whole too, too adult for... Yeah, for for children thing too many mm-hmm. times when it you know it's really it's just that it's too too engaging for certain adults to be honest. Yeah. Dave, um, would you say that Jay has ever ranted in his life? Never, not within the last ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Pair of losers. Um, <laughs> which which brings us up to the episode that uh, that's just happened. If you're listening to this now, it's literally just happened on. BBC America, if I can time this right. Um, you will. Well, just don't put it up before Saturday. Yeah. I mean, what? I didn't see it yet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is being recorded immediately <laughs> following Saturday's um, post-holiday thingamajig thing of postponing mint of the new episode. <laughs> I should be a continuity announcer. Oh boy. I'm just going to put. I want to grab a drink, but it'll be like ten seconds. <laughs> I think I need to grab a drink. <laughs> that was possibly the best sentence I've ever uttered. <laughs> oh, brother! 
Oh, Don't edit that out. Leave that in. <laughs> That should be the introduction to the show. <laughs> yes. So just don't put this up before Saturday. I mean... <sighs> okay. I thought right. some kind of weird monster sound on the end there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just put the microphone next to my belly for a while. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so where were we? Ah, a good man goes to war. Mm-hmm. So ah, all, yes. all the way through the season so far, there's been certain questions. We've known it's building up to a mid-season cliffhanger that Moffat kept saying was game-changing. Um, we knew that, obviously, at that point, something big would happen that meant the show would go away for, for four or five months. Mm-hmm. Um, and the title was a bit of a clue, really. Yeah. Well, yeah. was it? Because everyone I talked to seemed to think it was Rory that was going to war. Mm-hmm. You Everybody know. thinks Rory's going to die, too. He's yeah. the good man that River kills. That's a possibility as well, but I'm I'm convinced actually that things are more straightforward than we think on that side, and it is River in the spacesuit. We'll explain why in a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It is River in the spacesuit. She's going to kill the Doctor for some reason or another. That is the good man that's going to die, um, and she's not in prison though for the reasons that we think or that she's explained so far. I'll tell you that for nothing. Okay, but she well, is we... going to kill the Doctor. Kill. Kill the doc. She's going to. She's going to serve him. No, she's going to kill the doctor. Okay. Well, we we will we can mm-hmm. debate that. Um, yeah. I don't necessarily know if I disagree with you at this point. To be honest, um, mm-hmm. I haven't talked on Fuzzy Typewriter about this one yet, so my my, my opinions are a bit bleh, unformed. Um, <laughs> so that the, the episode starts and the doctor and Rory are out in space and time, putting together an army of uh, of people to help him. That Rory the Roman lacks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Captain Jack, who would have been a logical choice. Yeah. Oh, can I stop you there with this whole opening real quick? Because, yeah. Jay, you said something in the email that you thought the end of the flesh should have uh, been the, the game-changing cliffhanger. I tend to wonder if that was the original plan. Just because the Doctor doesn't show up on screen for the first 20 minutes of the episode, and they seem to be building up to like his return, Mm-hmm. And I tend to wonder if that the, a good man goes to war was supposed to be the you know mid-season premiere, and instead they changed their mind. Mm. Interesting. Interesting thought. Interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I mean, I just by the way that the episode was was structured. Mm-hmm. I think the way I would because because one thing I'd say about the episode in general is that I think it was I mean it was a ton of fun and it had a lot of, a lot in it, but it was really a story that maybe needed an extra ten even 12 minutes just to add in some mm-hmm. breathing space some flashbacks some character um, yeah so I think maybe the aim if, if I was doing it which I'm not because yeah. the BBC aren't insane with their money mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the, the, the Amy cliffhanger would have been the end of the first batch of episodes then in mm-hmm. the summer we would have had a, a summer special like we have a, a Christmas special that's a little bit longer that mm-hmm. would have been A Good Man Goes to War with an extra you know 10-15 yeah. minutes and then We'd have come back again in the in the autumn for the 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 next bit, mm-hmm. um, but that's just me. Yeah, and that's also down to scheduling and things like that as well. I mean, the the thing you have to probably remember is they're fighting against what they've been scheduled. Yeah, and right. what's one of the there's I mean to go back to the old the old series for a second. There's a interesting interview I read with uh, Sylvester McCoy a wee while ago where he talks about the fact that he did a lot of three part stories where they're traditionally four part stories. 
um, in his series. And he says the reason for that is that the BBC were starting to cut the numbers of hours they could have for storytelling. So they'd agreed to tell a set number of serials and then the BBC would cut back an episode. So they suddenly had to truncate hmm. something that was meant to be four episodes into three, you know, hmm. a lot of the time things. And, you know, you just have to you know wonder what's going on behind the scenes as well, you hmm. know. And I think, but I mean, I think the thing is the Doctor is powerful enough at the moment um, to to kind of call its own shots, and you know, I I I, I thought Good Man Goes to War was a, it was a great way to finish. Do you know what? It was far simpler than it, than you thought it was going to be, which was really nice. It was a nice, straightforward story that answered all the questions you wanted without getting so convoluted that your head was hurting, and it just had some really nice moments, and I I'm, I was happy with it. Yeah, it did have some great parts. It had uh, you know the action you were looking for, and and it did answer part of the river question and and then leave you with a pretty big cliffhanger so i mean mm. it was well done and it was it was really propulsive so i liked mm -hmm. it yeah mm -hmm. and you know it looked like every penny was up on the screen as well to be honest that those opening shots of the cyber fleet which was awesome um i, I love the cyber fleet appearing for all two minutes the cyber fleet um which was and it just looked like they still spent the money and then when they have the first shots of the the base where uh, at devil's devil's run Devil's Run, isn't it? Yeah, Demons Run. Yeah. Where, Demons Run. Yeah. That's it. Um, where the spaceships are coming to land, you can see all. The, oh God, it was beautiful. It was really, really. For anyone who claims that the show is looking a little cheap at the moment, needs their eyes checked. And I've seen these stupid fans on certain internet message boards, which shall not be named, who love to moan about everything. Going, oh, it looks so cheap. They've had the money got. No, they haven't. It looks beautiful. It's standing up to pretty much most American science fiction dramas at the moment. It's, it just looks lovely. I, I think so was, sorry. <laughs> there was um, certainly a very, a very kind of mythical feel to it, first and foremost, you know, of kind of bringing in the kind of the sci-fi, Star Warsy fantasy type stuff. It, mm -hmm. it just had that feel to it. Um, and the other thing is that, as writers, you know, there's, there's always the debate, the debate about world building, about is, is it too distracting mm -hmm. to do it? But this, this, this whole episode really kind of did it without needing to, you know, mm -hmm. spend too long going off and... And distracting you, it, it set up a, a universe quite quickly. Yeah, um, and it had the the tall and thin, small and fat, gay married Anglican couple too, <laughs> which was <laughs> and the the best tongue joke you'll ever see. Oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, there there are actually people again complaining about that the lesbian sal salurian um, thing, um, and I thought really? kids are not going to get that gag. No. It's it's a look that's a gag. That's it's like a carry on joke, and yeah. it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's there's nothing dirty there. It's, there's only the thing there that suggests yeah. something if you're an adult. Yeah. Oh, all these humans look alike. Is that a woman? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, he he put he calls in all these favors. That, that introduces a brilliant Centauran, um, <laughs> a, a, a kind of camp Welsh evil nurse. <laughs> just brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, the Suntarans when they're handled actually that was uh, season 4 one of my favourite ones was the two part Suntaran one which was a simple story but I just loved the Suntarans they're remarkably funny characters mm -hmm. and yet really dangerous which is with their clone batches and their, the fact that they're about two feet tall <laughs> I've saved your life I hope one day we shall meet on the field of battle and I shall crush your bones <laughs> I didn't know you were from India <laughs> <laughs> like I can't be well <laughs> We noticed. <laughs> Dave's probably so confused by the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking uh, another episode of Back Watch now. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, what the oh the Santaran one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's good fun. It's completely inconsequential two parter, but it's just it's just fun. Um, yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the one with the the, the, the sat nav that kills everybody? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dave, it's... you don't need to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit more than that but I think you know that was one of the ones that I liked about the Ten Year was when the Ten Year told simple stories without getting all convoluted and mm-hmm. up its own arse about how important the stories were it was actually great fun mm-hmm. you know Just talking about the show getting you know dealing with, with themes that sometimes it, it hasn't always tackled well enough mm-hmm. um, this one kind of brings to a head something that's been creeping in through Moffat's run and it was in the tenant era, but I don't. Again, I don't think they they handled it well enough. Um, Dave, you you mentioned that in the previous season, um, Matt Smith's Doctor was all he, he was he was fun and he was having an adventure. Um, right. And obviously, what was under the surface is that it's it's his arrogance that's carrying him through. Um, he keeps creating a lot of these problems. I mean, he gets trapped in the Pandorica because of his arrogance. Mm-hmm. Um, right, exactly. and the, the enemy can use that against him. Which obviously plays into a good man goes to war in a very very satisfying way. No, I, I, that's what I mean by playing with with some of the mythos of of Doctor Who and and I think I sent you guys the post that somebody found on those old Usenet boards about how old Moffat's idea of Doctor meaning different things and different uh, planets and universes and stuff like that. That idea of this Doctor supposing to be a healer, but he's actually more a warrior kind of thing was was really played well and really earned like uh, Moffat really built up to that mm-hmm. yeah well that's it the, the seeds for everything are being laid and that's that's beautiful there it's a it's a basic matter of and I think this is the difference between the arcs that we've had before and the arc we've got now the arcs before would tell us something was coming they would say bad wolf is coming they would say Mr. Saxon is coming um, they would say you know what, whatever was coming um, someone will die Whereas now they're showing that something's coming a lot of the time. There there are hints in other stories that are really just... And you go, oh, that's what that's done. Oh, that... You know what I mean? So you're not being told it's there, but you're seeing its arrival and you're not you're not, not expecting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we went back straight after that. We went back and we watched the um, the river... The, the, the first time River showed up. We, we watched the mm-hmm. two-parter. Um, I think Moffat's put his hand up in the past to the fact that when he was writing that, he wasn't planning all of this. He was mm-hmm. just writing a two-parter for somebody else's show. Yeah. And then, you know, a year or so later, he was given the show, and he's kind of retrofitted it all based around that. Yeah. Um, but there were so many nice things in that that tie in directly. I mean, the, I think one of the, the first things she says to River says to Tenant's Doctor is, you're not my doctor. My doctor, you know, is somebody who can have an army turn around at the, and run away at the sound mm-hmm. of his name yeah and then mm-hmm. we've seen that yeah uh, it was very well done yeah we've seen it more well I mean this is it they're saying that again at the start of the, the thin fat Anglian gay couple <laughs> gay married old. couple pardon me Never um, at the start of the show I have this great line where they're going you know it's a was it you, sh- you shouldn't praise him he's the enemy and he's going yeah but he turned the Atraxi back with just one word and then called them back to scold them you know and it's reminding you if you haven't seen it of course what's what's happened you mm. know and it was yeah, it's yeah it's, it's, I'm, I'm loving it it's uh, it's earning everything and as I say I think it's not too complex 
And that's what there are a lot of people with complex theories about what happened. A good man goes to war, such as the doctor was going to set up so that he was in the Pandora, and it's him that. And I think what they've forgotten is that it is an adventure show, and that Moffat's being complex and yet straightforward at the same time, mm-hmm. and that's what's really fun about it. That's yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. He's playing fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, um, and simple is you know more often than not the best way to go. Yeah. Um, you do some complex stuff to get there, but the payoff really needs to be relatively mm-hmm. simple because you you want people yeah. to buy into what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did love. I, I really think. I'm gonna I'm gonna skirt round a rant when I'm comparing Smith and Tennant. Um, but I think a, a lot just of have people sleep for five minutes. <laughs> I think a, a lot of people buy into very easy things when it comes to acting. So Tennant cried, so therefore he was more emotional than Matt Smith. Um, but Smith's doctrine, I think, in in this one particularly, really nailed certain emotions very, 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 mm-hmm. very well. I think the bit when he's angry and he doesn't quite, you know, it's it's a new thing for him. Well, it, it's not, but he's he's mm-hmm. saying it is. Um, the bit when he realizes when, when somebody mentions that time lords could be a weapon, and he says, "What do you mean?" and they say, "Well, they they've seen you," and there's a real heartbreak for him in that moment when he it starts to catch up on him, and you can see the act totally selling that. Yeah, he just kind of adjusts his jaw, and it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's 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 knowing how to act for the camera, because yeah. the camera can pick up on every little thing that you do. You don't need mm-hmm. to, you know, run around or shout or cry, because the camera will pick up on the, the the little things that you do, and then it's that's more telling. Yeah, well, what's it? It's the old story about is it Michael Keane? I think uh, this this old story is about where he was, because I'm sure he was an actor on the stage first or something. He was trained for that. And he gets in front of the camera for the first time, and the director says, uh, "You know, do your thing." And he does his thing, and he goes, "No, less." And I, All right, I'll do less. Um, and he does less, and he goes, "No, less." And it's about fifteen takes of less, and he goes, "But I'm not doing anything." And he goes, "Yeah, that's exactly it." Mm-hmm. On the camera, will pick up on everything, and it's pulling it back and back and back because TV and film is so intimate in the way it captures everything that if you're playing to the rear seats, it can look. Um, almost unreal or completely melodramatic and Matt Smith has this thing where it's just a look it's a twitch of an eyebrow it's you know and it, and it helps that he's got a, this is going to sound cruel a slightly odd face <laughs> <laughs> he's got a, a very slightly unfinished looking face which is perfect because it, it really is so expression expressionful full of expression because of that yeah you know mm-hmm. no totally um, yeah and, and, and he has this um Mr. Smith, if you're listening, I really do apologise. <laughs> I didn't mean to be as cruel as it sounds. <laughs> nah, don't worry. <laughs> I know. He's busy flying off to Hollywood to be famous right now. Um, and there's other things. I mean, because he can, because he can sell the emotions so well, he can go from the that kind of heartbreak. He can do the comedy as well when, you know, he's he's kind of facing up to the the sex and you know the the wedding night and all of that yeah but Um, that's drama and comedy at the same time because there's that whole conflict between the the fact of the funniness of his reaction as he's sort of going oh but i oh and yet at the same time you see his brain working Mm -hmm. and there is that seriousness of i need to work out why this is important oh that oh dear that's you know and so you're laughing and at the same time you're getting the seriousness and it's such a strange balance to pull off that he does so you know, it's, again, it's that whole slightly alien reaction that he has playing this character that's that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that scene itself it, it raises the more the, mo- the more important issue about River. But I'm going to skirt around that for a minute because we'll we'll deal with that when we get to the cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But while we're dealing with Matt Smith, the, 
one of his other finest achievements, I think, in, in, in all of it, in the whole two years so far, is when he finds out who River is. And his <laughs> physical and emotional reactions to that, that instant hit of, oh, this is interesting, oh, this is wrong, oh, they're stood right there, oh, oh, was, was brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. But we... <laughs> because, and again, you, you kind of, you think, how would other previous Doctors have handled that moment? I can't mm-hmm. imagine any of them doing it any better than that. I can no. imagine some of them actually doing it quite a lot worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, I think again, like, again, the the problem with that, and I think Tent was wonderful when he pulled it back, but if you, if you gave Tent the opportunity to overact, and if you hadn't that scene, it would have come off as broad comedy. Mm-hmm. Whereas again, what you really wanted was that slightly pulled backedness about it, uh, you know. So, but um, you know, it was, it was just perfect. And it was written for that Doctor, and this is it. Each Doctor, I think Russell D. Davis once said something like, "He writes the Doctors the same man each time." And it's the actors who bring something to it. But I think there has to that what the actor brings then leaks into the scripts a lot of the time as well, which is why some actors start off with scripts that seem to have been written for the person before, and then slowly kind of evolve into what they've been done with the possible exception of Colin Baker who's given a script that's written for something completely different um, and completely jarred with everyone who's watching the show Um, unfairly I think because in in essence and I'm going to go on a limb here and say that I think The Sixth Doctor could have been really really interesting and was it was just the fact that the stories he was given were a bit rubbish I think there was another totally change of subject I guess but there's, there's culturally I think there was a there was a moment then in that around about that time when you got Dalton as Bond and you got mm. Colin Baker and all, all of these kind of franchises that were trying to do something that you know 10-15 years later would have been embraced mm-hmm. but they were just trying it at the wrong time yeah and and as I say and it didn't help that they put Colin Baker in the worst possible quote imaginable <laughs> and it probably also didn't this is a strange thought actually it probably also didn't help and this has just come to my head just now sorry I'm going completely off tangent but it probably didn't help Colin Baker's case that he was a baker whereas we'd already had a baker in the role for seven years before mm-hmm. with curly hair where we had a baker with curly hair in the year who defined the role and so then you've got a baker with curly hair coming in who is just completely different this arrogant um, apparently unconcerned but actually there's a lot of concern running under the performance that I think he put in sort of um, character who was uh, you know just a complete shock to the system mm-hmm. um, with <laughs> sort of some really awful stories. Kind of, kind of Christopher Eccleston's doctor in mm. a lot of ways. Yeah, um, mm, that's and I think oh, I think he wanted to dress in black before they gave him the patchwork coat. So, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Moffat's been promising a game-changing cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I think he's maybe he maybe set himself a bit of a trap because yeah. it was built up so much. And because the pieces were all there, by that point we all kind of knew what the answer was going to be. So I think there, there, for a lot of people there was a feeling of, even though the ending was good and it was natural and it was the right ending, there was a bit of a feeling of anticlimax to it because we'd all figured it out. Yeah. Right. But who listens to hype? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I think the climax worked and I think it sets up a ton uh, of good stuff going towards the future because it, it's a good answer but it opens up uh, a lot more questions going forward. Well, yeah. it's I mean it's it's a different question, isn't it? With the the yeah. real the real question isn't who is River Song, mm-hmm. it's what is River Song, right? Yeah. Um, which we we don't know. We we've got bits mm-hmm. of, of the yeah. information, but we have what? no idea. 
I think we have enough information because this is what I was saying at the start is we the good man she's going to she said this she's going to kill a good man the best man she's ever known mm-hmm. we all thought it was the doctor that started the series I don't think that's going to change I know everyone's going it's probably Rory but no I think that is her in the spacesuit, and she's going to kill him when she's a child and she's not going to quite remember which is why she tries to shoot the astronauts it goes when they goes oh of course Right? Mm-hmm. The reason she's in prison is not for killing the doctor. That's not a prison. They've never specifically said she's the only one who said what Storm Cage is. She's the only one who said she's in prison for killing the best man she's ever known. The guards have never exactly said that. I think yeah. she's in there because the, what did they spend this whole episode saying about the baby? Yeah, it's a weapon. It, it's a weapon. It's a big weapon. It's the biggest weapon in the, the universe, etc., etc. That's River Song. She has been kept in isolation because she is such a danger to the reality of the universe but it's only the doctor seems to be able to get her out for example for her birthday etc <laughs> etc et I'm not breaking out I'm breaking in <laughs> she yeah, yeah. knows exactly what she is but she only goes out for the doctor and that's the only reason she's allowed out of there is for him mm-hmm. and that's why she's being kept locked up in there not because of a crime but because of the danger she represents hmm. And that's what I think it is, and I think that is her in the spacesuit. That's right, going to especially kill the because when she shoots over, over uh, the sp- the astronaut's head, she kind of says, "Of course," as if she realizes why she missed. Mm. That she couldn't hit it. Yeah, as, because- as, Rus- I mean, as Russell saying, maybe bits of the memory come back. Yeah. Do you um, remember what you were like when you were six? Do you remember exactly what you did? Well, I would remember if I shot somebody who started turning into bright lights. <laughs> You'd think you'd remember. <laughs> um. But remember, Dave, what's the watchword here? Wibbly wobbly. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, I, I think, I think the, the theory, as Russell's just laid it out, is it's hard to argue with. Um, right. Part, part of the fun is that we're going to spend the next six months doing just that. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Coming up with different theories. But it's, you know, it, it does hold a lot of water at the moment. Yeah. Um, is she a Time Lord? Is she not a Time Lord? Is she part-time Lord? Is she just got a little bit of energy? <laughs> She's the start of the Time Lords? Is she, hmm? yeah, is, is she going to be used to bring some of them back? Or is is she a Time Lord body that they've manipulated so that they can put a a Time Lord's mind into it? Who would that be? Um, funny you should ask that. <laughs> <laughs> My 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 long running theory going back to yeah. the last season is that uh, they're bringing back an old character. Oh. Who's, uh, they've already brought back Rassilon, who you know was Timothy Dalton and was completely wasted. Um, the other founder of but he Time- spat for his money. But he did, yeah. <laughs> the other founder of Time Lord Society was Omega, um, who's insane. And is now, if I'm getting it right, non-corporeal. Last time we saw him, kept trying to steal the trapped in an antimatter universe body. Um, so that would be quite a nice character to bring in somebody who's controlled, you know, who's, who's got a tie into Time Lord technology. Somebody who maybe needs a Time Lord body, mm-hmm. uh, and somebody who'd be able to manipulate armies and might have a long, long thousand-year grudge against the Doctor. Yeah, but I mean, this is you keep saying this. But, as I've said, think about Dave. Dave is, Dave is my model here for the average viewer. Hi. Um, <laughs> Dave is in his 30s and has never watched Doctor Who before the current series. April. April, yes. 
<laughs> Dave also likes beer and going for long walks in the set. No, <laughs> but Dave, Dave's not got this this knowledge that I have, and I've also noticed that he's tweeted that I like to rant about my knowledge. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but. So Dave doesn't have this knowledge of Omega and so forth, and Omega's got this long, rather complex history with it. If Moffat's as smart as he's been so far, you'll notice while he's brought back old characters and things on occasion, he's not brought that back that baggage with him. And I think that Omega is just too complex to kind of do the same way as you do something like the Rani or something like that, blah, 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 blah. I think, I just, I just don't think he's going to come back, at least in the way that you're expecting. And I, I don't think he's behind all of this. Um, because I think the show has to cater, has to has to acknowledge that there's a past history, that there's all this stuff that people know. There's a madman in a box. He fights the Daleks. He's got an enemy called the Master. He's a Time Lord. But then you go from that basic knowledge into creating a whole new kind of continuity for this new age of the show. And I think that's what he's done and continued to do very, very well. And so I'm not sure that we'll get Omega. I agree with you. I mean, I agree completely with your logic. I, it's just that I mm-hmm. don't... To be honest, I don't think it takes that much work to bring this character back. Mm-hmm. Um, He's only been in, what, two episodes? Two storylines, I should say? The, the, yeah. yeah there's, there's not that much... Although his hand appeared in 1988. <laughs> there's, oh. there's, there's baggage as in it's going back a long time. But there's not baggage as in, you know, there's, there's millions of, of stories worth of stuff to explain. Mm-hmm. It's a very basic concept, particularly because there's a lot of the concepts behind it are stuff that have already been threaded through. We, we're we already dealing with the fact that consciousness can be separate to the body. Um, we're already dealing with the, you know, with, with the TARDIS and the soul and all of that. We're already dealing with um, other stuff that escapes me right now. Um, the, and, you know, I, I think it'd be quite a simple explanation, particularly because... If my theory is right, which it might not be, but I hope it is, a lot of the setup work has already been done. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the army has got a big omega symbol behind it. But that's a standard symbol. I have I have omega symbols on my plugs. Are you? Um, is there something you want to tell us? Are you part of the conspiracy? <laughs> Think about it. I look more like the old school master than yes. Oh yeah, no, I have thought about that. Don't worry. Yeah. And as, as 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 Ray Banks agreed with me when we were in Dundee, you, you're also you've got something kind of vaguely second doctorish about you. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> anyway. All right, I'm gonna have to wrap it up. So let's do one big. Somebody's got to give me a prediction of what's gonna happen besides Omega. Okay. Well, you okay. you predict first. You're you you know you're you're coming in with uh-huh. no baggage. What do Come you on. see happening? I I don't know enough about. Omega to make a prediction that way. I think that the army, which we originally saw in the the Angels episode, where humans uh, are mad that the Doctor kicked the silence off of Earth for some reason. And that's why they're waging war with the Doctor. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I'd, I'd say that's a pretty good theory, actually. Um, and I'd say also that the army we saw in the time of Angels is later than the army we're seeing now in some sense, because they've already forgiven the Doctor. At the moment, they're being hired to take on the Doctor by Madame Kavarkian, or whatever her name is. (laughs) Um, I've forgotten her name. Dr. Kavarkian. Yeah, Eyepatch Woman. But um, as to what's actually going to happen next, I'm not sure, but I think my river theory is about as close as I can get to prediction, and I'm going to hold to that. And if it's right, somebody should send me an award. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Aside from the, the Omega stuff, which again I think would also explain why there's a, a long-running war that the Doctor wasn't wa uh, aware of, um, I think that we're definitely, well, we're going to see the silence again. Mm -hmm. um, that's not really a prediction though, is it? That's just, I think, pretty obvious at this point. Yeah. Um, uh, aside of Omega, I don't really know. Mm -hmm. I think it's possible maybe that River's the, the big bad of the last few episodes. Mm -hmm. um, and that the you know the last time we really see her in the show, she's actually the villain, and that's kind that that's kind of the the guilt and the baggage that she's been carrying around when we've been seeing her earlier on. Is that effectively she's the bad guy for some of the the show? Mm -hmm. um, I, that's really I, all I have. I also predict we're going to see the Cybermen again because they spent far too much money on that awesome set for them to not <laughs> come back. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we are supposed to see the roommate from the lodger again. Oh, is he meant to be? Oh, excellent. Fat man off yeah. the telly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, do you know what? I didn't mind James Corden as much as I usually do in that one. I didn't want to punch his lights out. The whole episode worked quite well, I thought. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but anyway. Um, yes. Do we do, is there anything else we want to talk in? Not that I usually do, I should add. <laughs> you normally kick it, right? Yes. <laughs> is there anything else we want, we want to hammer into the ground before Dave has to jump off? Mm-hmm. I'm set. I'm 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 fine. I, I yes, I think we've we've covered most of our stuff. It's going to be a long, long summer. <laughs> anyway, all right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to I'm add that on that note. <laughs> on that note, we say farewell to Dave. <laughs> and on this note of pretty epic show that this is going to turn into. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't think I'm just going to put it out. <laughs> ah, awesome. <laughs> uh, Dave, 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 you've got a book that needs to sell. Yes. Yes, I need to sell uh, four more copies now. Four um, more. Well, for today. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, as many as possible. Uh, Witness to Death, it's available on uh, Kindle and uh, the Nook and the Smashwords. <laughs> and buy it or Dave will come back and um, do things. <laughs> things. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Russell, Russell's a writer, people. <laughs> <laughs> and all three of us are in a collection that's coming out um, pretty soon from uh, Do Some Damage, mm -hmm. uh, which we yeah. haven't talked about on the website yet, um, mm -hmm. but, you know, saw that it's coming yeah, out. Yeah, I've alluded to it once. Yeah. Father's Day. <laughs> about Father's Day. There you go. Spoilers. Whatever. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that whole, we can't talk about it. We can talk about it. It's an anthology about Father's Day. Yeah, listen, how far away is Weddle from all of us? What damage right, can exactly. he do? Except to Dave. He's very close to Dave. Yeah. And yeah Dave yeah. should take the majority of the blame for this. I don't have it in a format. What are you talking about? The, have you never heard the Doctor Who? Hey, Doctor, Doctor Who song. No, no. I haven't.